0: Well, there was a father of an almost three-year-old daughter, and he had bought this aquarium, and um, decided he was going to take her to the pet store to get some fish for this aquarium, and so they bought four, and uh, went to work that week. Little girl called him at the office to check in. And in her in her own little, you know, almost three-year-old way, proceeded to tell him how one of the fish got caught in those plastic bushes, those little plastic bushes, and had died. And so she proceeded to tell her daddy uh, what had happened, and that she and mommy were then going to go out into the backyard and have a little funeral service for the fish that had, uh, that had gotten caught in those fake plastic bushes. And the father was just listening and realizing that oh you know his little girl was experiencing the first of what would be many losses as she was growing up but it was what she said just before they hang up they hung up that caused him to lose it she said over the phone at the end of their conversation daddy Would you please keep me from getting caught in the bushes? That's our job, isn't it? As parents. Is to keep our children from getting caught in in the bushes. That is, to keep them from getting caught in uh, their vulnerabilities. To keep them from getting caught in uh, unsafe situations. Situations that are too overwhelming for them while they are with us at home, to keep them from getting caught in the bushes so that then later we can release them to be the men and women of God that the Lord has called them to be. To keep them from getting caught in the bushes. Now, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, uh, parents, you know we need help in that, don't we? we? That's not something that we can do By ourselves. And so I want to look at a passage of scripture this morning that talks about a partnership that needs to take place a three person partnership that needs to occur so that we can protect our children while they are with us under our roofs and then release them to be the men and women of God. That he's called them to be. The scripture that I want to look at is in the New Testament book of Ephesians. Ephesians, I want you to turn to chapters 5 and 6. Chapters 5 and 6. You will see the verses that I want us to look at on your outline here as you came in. Um, and I want, us to, I want you to see who these three persons are. This three-person alliance. This three-person uh, confederation. Confederation. This three-person union that, as a result, all three are working on the same goal, the same objective, and the objective is this, to produce spirit-filled children who follow spirit-filled parents who lead or bring them up in love. That's what God wants. God wants spirit-filled families where spirit-filled children follow spirit-filled parents who bring them up in love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of of the Lord. Now this is God's word. Did you hear the three persons? This three-person confederation, this three-person alliance, three players that need to be active in every family system in order to produce children, spirit-filled children, who follow spirit-filled parents who bring them up in love. The three, the three persons are the Holy Spirit. The child and the parent. And I want to talk about each of these persons, beginning with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. No discussion on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, can really take place without looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Um, I don't know how your Bible is laid out, but church family, um, you know, so in my Bible or in our church Bible, there are often, you know, subtitles, subcategories. For instance, in chapter 6, it's children and parents and what's before that, wives and husbands. you see those subtitles there? They're kind of visual clues for the reader and so forth. Sometimes, though, I think that it is a little misleading because it reminds me of reading the newspaper. I'm going to read this article, and then I'm going to turn the page, and I'm going to read another article, and it's almost like a different topic. Actually, what we read in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 that's a continuation of a train of thought that the Apostle Paul began in Ephesians 5, verse 18. When he said, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And what might that look like? Well, that looks like, that looks like addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians 5.19, Ephesians 5.20 Giving thanks always and for everything And then Ephesians 5.21 Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ And then Paul says Oh by the way, here's what wives look like When they voluntarily defer or submit to their husbands And here's what husbands look like When they voluntarily defer and submit to their wives And here's what uh, children look like when they, You see what I'm saying? There's a train of thought here There's an extension here that the Apostle Paul is giving And Paul is saying that the most important 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 person in your family system and in my family system is the presence and ministry and activity and leading of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit means to be dominated, to be influenced, to be led by the Holy Spirit. And just as overuse of alcohol will take over your body and impair your perception of reality, So the filling and domination of the Holy Spirit will clarify reality. And you'll be able to see life the way God wants you to see life. And you'll be able to see your responsibilities as God wants you to see those responsibilities. And being filled and dominated and led by the Holy Spirit happens on the ground floor of family life. And this is so important. Please don't miss this. Sometimes I, I get the impression that, you know, we leave here thinking, wow, that was a great service. We were really filled with the Spirit. Okay, now what's next? And as if being filled with the Spirit only happens in this room, in a worship service, and well, of course it does. I mean, we've been addressing one another and with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and we're singing and making melody to the Lord with our hearts and we're giving thanks. That all happens in, corp, in a corporate gathering. But it's not just to happen in this room. Why, it's to happen at your home. So the filling of the Holy Spirit can take place in something as mundane as uh, unloading the dishwasher. You know, paying the electric bill. Yeah, I'm serious. On the ground floor of family life, the filling of the Holy Spirit is to affect our family relationships. I think that's what Paul's getting at here. And you know what the key evidence of the Holy Spirit's leadership and filling and domination is? You know what it is? See, Paul's continuing this all throughout Ephesians, just flip back to Ephesians chapter four and look at verses two and three where Paul says to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called, and then he says this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, and then here it is, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Do you want to know whether or not your family is being dominated by the Holy Spirit? Just just respond to this statement in your mind. We are experiencing a season of unity in our family. Do you disagree strongly with that statement? Strongly disagree? "...disagree, undecided, agree, strongly agree." Where are you on that spectrum? We're experiencing a season of unity in our family. We're experiencing a season of peace in our family. Strongly disagree, disagree, undecided, agree, strongly agree. we're, we're experiencing, a season of patience in our family. Strongly disagree, disagree, undecided, agree, strongly agree. You see, the filling of the Holy Spirit is something very practical. Well, we're experiencing a season of bearing with one another in love. Strongly disagree, disagree, undecided, agree, strongly agree. See, where are you on that? Where do you want to be? What would it take so that, you know, fairly confidently, you... And your spouse could say, yes, you know what? We are, we're we experiencing a season of peace and unity and humility. It's, it's very evident that the Holy Spirit is, is, is leading and dominating our family system because this, this is not the fruit of the Spirit, you see. Huh? Well, who else needs to be involved in this equation for that to happen? Because the Holy Spirit is the most important person in the family. At the same time, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, is not in isolation. He's not. There needs to be another player. There needs to be another participant. And this is where we get to player number two. Children children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God wants spirit-filled families where spirit-filled children follow their parents' children. Now, We read this as 21st century Americans, but I have to tell you, if you could just somehow put yourself back into the first century to a house church in Ephesus where you would first hear these words, this is amazing. You see this subtitled children and parents? It is sandwiched between a Husbands and wives and slaves and masters. And those three pairs make up a template, which in the first century was called the household code. The household code, which was a secular template, a secular outline which detailed uh, expectations from the Roman culture as to how the family system was to work. Here's the deal, though. In the Roman household code, only the one in power was addressed, which would mean husbands and fathers. I mean, wives and and children and slaves would never even be addressed. It would only be addressed to the one in power. So here's the apostle Paul turning that system on its head, by even acknowledging children in the house churches. The apostle Paul is not telling the fathers, now tell this to your children. He's talking directly to the kids, directly to the children. I, it, 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 it is just astounding. We would have to have been there in the house churches to just totally be blown away by, well, Paul's talking to my child without going to me. He's going, because, and why? Because because the kingdom of Christ operates differently than the kingdom of Caesar. That's why. And the Apostle Paul is addressing children. How old are these children? Well, these children these children are mature enough, uh, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, and physically, to be able to understand the letter as it's being shared there in the house churches. They're mature enough to do that. And at the same time, they're not mature enough emotionally, physically, spiritually, psychologically to be out on their own. In other words, they're dependents. They're dependents. And Paul says that dependents need to obey their parents. Children Evidence of the Spirit's domination in your life is exemplified as you follow your parents in the Lord. And Paul expects the children to follow their parents the Nike way. Anybody want to know what the Nike way is? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. When, 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 your, par- when your parents ask you to make your bed, Clean up your room. Take out the trash. Sweep the porch. Unload the dishwasher. Load the dishwasher. Get off Facebook. Just do it. Don't complain about it. Don't whine about it. Don't bellyache about it. Don't bleed about it. The key to peace and unity in the home is for the child to obey wholeheartedly, joyfully, and immediately, amen? Yeah. Some of you are thinking, why is my child not here to hear this? Okay, I'll get to that in just a minute. Obey your parents in the Lord. And so Paul gives the heart motive behind this. And what's the heart motive? The heart motive is not because the old man said so. That's not the heart motive. The heart motive is in the Lord. What does that mean? That means as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. That is to say we are to obey as if Jesus himself were issuing the directive and then Paul says, you know this is right, this is right. And look at verse two. Paul reaches back into Hebrew history to the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now this is a corporate promise. Paul is not saying that Obedient, compliant children will automatically live to be 90 years of age. You know that. that. That doesn't happen, does it? What he is saying, though, is that as a people group, stability in society at large depends upon stability in the smallest unit of society and outside the husband-wife relationship the parent-child relationship is the smallest unit of society. God has created uh, the family to be the first government. God's created the family to be the first church, the first hospital, the first seminary. And and someone has said that if uh, if anyone will not honor his mother and father, is there anyone he'll spare? Is there anyone? And if we don't respect authority at home, we're not going to respect it anywhere. And if you don't believe me, ask, ask one of our police officers here at church. Ask one of our educators here. Ask one of our counselors. Ask a pastor. Huh? The key to stability in society at large stability at the home front. And that happens as children, as children immediately and joyfully and wholeheartedly obey their parents who is providing a roof over their head out of their money. Spirit-filled children follow their parents as unto the Lord. And that's how it goes well. And and some of you may be thinking, I could see your faces. Why isn't my kid in here to hear what the pastor has to say? Well, we do have another service at 1045, you know. Well, I got stuff to do. Oh, I wonder if it'll be on the podcast. Yeah, it will. And in fact, that's probably a better idea too. Because you know, don't you, that your child's pastors will be taking them home today. Parents, you are the most important pastors in the lives of your child. And that brings us to the third player. See, spirit-filled families are a place where spirit-filled children follow spirit-filled parents who bring them up in love. And then Paul says, fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now, that's surprising. Wouldn't you have expected the Apostle Paul to say it the other way? (laughs) Children, do not provoke your fathers to anger. Surely that's a manuscript error there. Nope, that's in the original. Fathers, do not provoke. Again, What Paul is doing here is absolutely radical, and here's why. Here's why. In first century Roman Empire, every father of every family, every father who was a Roman citizen, enjoyed the status of patria potestas. Patria potestas. The power of the land. The power of the land. What was that? Well, you know, man's home is his castle. So in other words, Randy is the emperor of 913 West Daniel. That was the law of the land. Roman law gave fathers practically unlimited absolute power over their children. That was the patria potestas, which meant that under Roman law, a father could beat his children. There was no DCFS in the first century. He could sell his children as slaves. A father could do that. He could make them work in chains. And he could quite possibly impose the death penalty upon his children. That, that was just the law of the law. We, we were just aghast at that. But that was, just, that was just normal for them. Listen to this letter. This is an actual letter from a Roman husband uh, to his pregnant wife. He's on a business trip to Alexandria, Egypt. And he sends a message to her, sends a note to her. In that note, it says this, Do not worry if when all others return, I remain in Alexandria. I beg and beseech of you to take care of the little child, and as soon as we receive wages, I will send them to you. If, good luck to you, if you have a child, if it is a boy, let it live. If it is a girl, throw it out. And then this is what he says, Right after this, he says, How can I forget you? I beg you, therefore, not to worry. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Honey, you know, if you give birth to a boy, let it live. If a girl, let her die. How can I forget you, your affectionate husband? Well, that was just their culture. And so you see, the patria potestas was enforced by Roman fathers who imposed power. But Paul flips that on its head because in the kingdom of Christ, Christian fathers withhold power. Isn't that what Paul says? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, your kids do not exist for your comfort. You are to withhold power. And you are to refrain from provoking your children to anger. That is to say... uh, Our parenting ought not cause habitual, deep-seated anger in the lives of our children. Now, let me just interrupt myself and let you make sure I communicate what Paul is not saying. What Paul is not saying is this. Paul is not saying that, uh, parents, whenever your child is mad, that means you're being bad. Don't Don't let our darlings play us like that. That's emotional blackmail. You know, just because they're mad doesn't mean you're a bad parent. Paul's talking about avoiding unnecessary anger. He's talking about parenting in a way so as not to provoke our children. What might that look like? Well, have you ever been to some athletic games from our children and from the stands? Have you heard what some parents say to their children there on the field if they don't do what they would like them to do, huh? The berating that goes on. That's what we're talking about. Berating is toxic to our child's souls. Berating, and and something else that is toxic that will provoke unnecessary anger in the lives of our children is that when when we continually break our promises to them, you know, berating and breaking promises to our children causes just deep-seated anger. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Bring them up. That's a beautiful word. It's the second time Paul has used this word. Go back up to Ephesians 5, 29. In the NIV, it's the word feed. In the ESV, it's the word nourish. Nourish. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but feed them or nourish them. Oh, dads, we are to nourish our children. You say, why is he focusing on fathers here? Well, two reasons. Number one, because typically mothers are pretty good at that already. And secondly, Paul is describing biblical headship. He's describing biblical headship. And the key word is biblical headship. The husband and the father is a nourisher. Is a feeder. We are to feed and nourish our wives and our children. There is—he's uh, retired by now, but he—he he was in the Coast Guard. He was a non-commissioned officer and a man's man. I mean, a man's man. He was the kind of—he uh, was the kind of NCO where officers would greet him along the street, just. Tough guy. And do you know what he called his 265-pound son? David dear. A David dear, even hugs him, even kisses him, nourishes those children in love. And Paul also says he nourishes them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What does that look like? Oh, I love the story that Charles Swindoll tells. Charles Swindoll is a pastor's pastor. And he tells the time when he was young. He worked at a, he worked at, oh, they called them five and dime stores growing up. And he stole six softballs from the five and dime store. Took them home, hid them in a sock drawer. His mother found them. She promptly reported the infraction to his father, and his father said, "Charles, we're going to take a ride down into the to the store, and you're going to fess up." And Charles Swindoll said he was dying, just dying, making that. It was the longest car ride he'd ever taken. And they got there to the parking lot and his father said, okay, go in. I'm not going in with you. You're going in by yourself. You're going to face your manager. and You're going to confess. He went in and he confessed. He returned the softballs and his manager said, you're fired. Swindoll came back to the car. He was just so low. And it was at that point in time that his father began to build him up, to build him up. Swindoll said, my dad didn't overdo it, but he drilled into me the point that when you steal, you get fired. And if you don't get fired immediately, you lose something that money can't buy, and that's your self-respect. And then the question what were you going to do with six softballs anyway? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) He didn't have an answer. (laughs) But Charles Swindoll said, my biggest fear was that my friends were going to find out and I'd be so embarrassed. And then this is what Swindoll said. He said, you know, my dad never told anybody. My dad kept that story. My dad protected me. After he had disciplined me, after he had trained me, he kept the story to his grave. That, that is what it looks like to bring up in the training and discipline and instruction of the Lord. Church family. God wants spirit-filled families uh, where spirit-filled children follow spirit-filled parents who bring them up in love. God wants your family to be a proclamation of the gospel. God wants the world to see the gospel in your relationships as the parents nourish the children did not god the father say at the baptism of the son this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased that nourishing that happened and and did not the son follow Follow, he became nothing in taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ died on the cross because he loved you, but make no mistake, Jesus Christ died on the cross because he loved his father more. And so, so with the blessing of the Holy Spirit, your family and my family displaying the gospel, gospel nourishing, gospel following, initiated, filled, led by the Holy Spirit.